and a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. We are live on House of Strauss Industry Talk, joined as always by the great, the inimitable New York Post own Ryan Glassbeagle. How are you doing, Ryan? I, are you sure I'm not imitable? Well, you're imitating Andrew Marchand on his newsletter, so maybe you aren't imitable, uh, but perhaps he is, and you're the one doing it. <laughs> The um, I I had to intimate him um because he went on <laughs> so on my own vacation I filled in for him. Yeah, you uh, did the sports TV industry scuttlebutt newsletter. You wrote about some good NBA news. We uh, are often critical of basketball, but it seems to be in fine fettle currently. We're gonna get into that. Uh, we're going to discuss now that it is an actuality. Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter, we might get into the demise of the Nets just because if we're looking at it from the meta perspective that we prefer on this show, I feel like the Nets allow uh, the daytime sports take shows to reach a transcendence that I will miss. And so I think that might be worth discussing. They, with, with, there's like, they're going to be scraping the bottom of the ball for topics for the yeah. next month and a half. Somehow, like if the Warriors don't give them some type of like epic collapse, I have uh, no idea who they're going to blame and shame. Yeah, I, I mean, there's something strange about the Nets and how, okay, let's start with Nets then. Let's just start with Nets because I did this thing. I wonder how many other people do it. In theory, I'm this fancy schmancy culture writer, and I'm reading Thomas Edsel surveys of American opinions and contemporary history books. In actuality, I'm just on YouTube all day today, uh, in between editing my article, looking for content on First Take, on, uh, God, what are the other shows? On The Herd, on, uh, you know, whatever the Fox show is, just looking for the reactions to the Nets. And I have a that- favorite segment. What was your favorite segment? Oh, man, Nick Wright was uh, Nick Wright was really in his bag, folks. I mean, Stephen A is the one, that's the name brand people go to. But once Nick Wright said... Have you ever been in an escape room? I was just all in. I didn't know where he was going with it, but I was just all in on that one. So I think no, Nick Wright. Kevin Durant about, not in his personal top 15, closer to 20 than 10. <laughs> Wait, which one was that? Which one was the That was Nick person? Wright. He oh, said that, that Durant not in his that he was I was Nick Wright on the Dan Patrick show saying that Durant is closer to 20th best player of all time. Oh than 10th because he is the fourth best player of his era behind LeBron, Giannis, and Steph. So how do you get close to 10? I don't know how these guys get me to care about topics that I just don't have any concern for at all. But somehow, somehow they do it. I mean, with Nick Wright, uh, as a take master, I think he's underrated. But there was an aside where he starts talking about how he had been ridiculed for putting Drew Holiday above Kyrie Irving, he turned that into a debate segment. Out of nowhere, suddenly we were in Drew Holiday versus Kyrie Irving land, and I was all the way in. And I had opinions, and I was enjoying it. Stephen A. was in rare form. He was incredible. The funny thing about all these shows is how angry they get about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, The Perkins saying that Durant should force his (laughs) way out. Oh, yeah, and saying that Kyrie Irving is the hot girl that smokes cigarettes. Newport that was actually that. yesterday, and it went viral today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much. I don't know. What, it is it, what is it about this team? It's a team without a fan base. 
I mean, it is the ultimate, it is the apotheosis of neoliberalism. It's a team without any kind of history, owned by a CCP functionary uh, business guy. Uh, there's nobody cares. Nobody actually cares. And yet all these take shows are emotional over their failures and my, it produces the best content. My favorite segment was Stephen A pushing back on Jamie Foxx who had already deleted his take because Stephen A had talked him out of it in private. Mm. And um, <laughs> like he goes on to decide that Jamie Foxx has no credibility as a sports fan because <laughs> he's a Cowboys fan. And then like proceeds to just like dismantle like the logic, like Jamie Foxx, for those who didn't see it was mad that Stephen A went after Ben Simmons, who he like called basically the most pathetic figure in the history of American sports. And like Jamie Foxx is like, why don't you go after Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady like that? Cause they're not the most pathetic history of sports. And so yeah. um, Stephen A just was like, I'm going after them because like, you, you know, you, you think that um, I should be protecting the black athlete. They're hurting the black athlete in future collective bargaining so agreements in, because people are going to remember this. It's it so intense. like amazing. The directions he takes it where he starts talking about how much money Kyrie Irving should earn. You know, I'm all about brothers getting paid. But, and it's like, oh, God, where's he going with this? Where's he going with it? it? It'll be some take about how, it'll be some take about how he deserves that $50 million, but you'd have to pay it year by year. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then you've got Colin. I'm not committing $200 million to Kyrie Irving. <laughs> well, the best thing is that Stephen A doesn't call him Kyrie Irving. It's always Irvin. It's Kyrie Irvin. Like, he's so mad at him. He, I, he usually doesn't say his name. last name. He just says Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even getting into Charles Barkley versus Kevin Durant. I mean, what that, is it about this That's kayfabe, though. They buried their hatchet in November. They did a home-and-home home podcast thing. I remember that. It was only, like, three, like six months ago. I had to write about it. I mean, do we think it's kayfabe? Those two dudes are not fake, whatever you might say. Yeah, that's about probably them. true. They forgot that they buried the hatchet, and so yeah. they'll probably bury the hatchet again next November. I, I would assume so. That would be their pattern. Um, you had, for those who don't know, uh, Charles Barkley, with this amazing aside, a little bit unfair, but a lot of bit poetic, that Kevin Durant, he, he was not a bus driver. He was a bus rider on the Warriors. And that Steph Curry was the best player on the team. And that seems to be the theme with all of this, that Kevin Durant wanted it his way. He wanted this situation, and it's a disaster. And all of the take shows are letting him have it. And again, I don't know what it is about this situation, but we're almost peaking too early. We're not going to reach a moment, I think, as entertaining in sports take land in the NBA as this Brooklyn there, There's class. no one who can really get blamed and have it be that fun mm. for, in the rest of the playoffs. Yeah. You, like, sports needs somebody who we can, like, feed off the negativity about them. Like, yeah. who is skipping? Like, I think he's going to be, like, sharpening his knives on, like, John Morant or whatever. It's just yeah. not going to hit the same. It's not, it's not going to be the same. And the Nets, there's just so much there. You've got Kevin Durant with the decision to leave. 
and people can just fault him as this tragic figure. I have opinions about that. Maybe we'll talk about it. And then you've got Kyrie, who has really come up short and all of his demands and weirdness. And then you you even forget that Ben Simmons is sort of part of the situation, but not. And he is a take pinata. It is just such fertile territory. Plus, Harden was involved in it, too. You forget he was on yeah. that team. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just what a take a take a palooza, Ryan. And I, I will miss it. This was a glorious day for takes. I enjoyed all of it. I was most excited to check out Colin. That was the one I went to first. I, I wanted to I wanted to check it out and it and it was great as it always is. Um he's very Warriors focused with it, which is fun if you're from the Warriors perspective. Uh but yeah, I mean I don't know how we're gonna tie this. I have a random take about Colin that you just reminded me of, like Colin sure. and Skip. Um, so there was like this idea that was like said by Dan Lebetard and lots of others that they were going to just be lost leaving ESPN for FS1 because so many people had done that before and like not FS1, but you know, Michelle Beadle was fresh in people's minds. Stephen A. Smith, um, was not able to make it outside of ESPN. People forget that he left and came back. Um, but with Skip and Colin, like Twitter and YouTube made them so much more portable. Like nobody would have ever found them on mm. TV, but like just the way that like social video became distributed right around the time where they left was just like enormously fortunate for them. Yeah, I think that is correct. And it's a credit to their own talents as takesmen. I mean, there are takesmen who. I, I wasn't even thinking about until today where I thought this guy's established a rhythm. Chris Broussard has a Skip Baylissian rhythm now <laughs> that he has adopted, and he is rising up the ranks of the takesmen. That was another thought that I had. And you know what? I'm unashamed. It's junk food, but I enjoy it. I know it's often cited as what's wrong with the NBA, why the NBA isn't where it should be. Uh, I love I love so much of it. I especially love Turner. Turner. Those guys, they can do no wrong in my eyes. Yes, yes, they think everything should be a post-up. Yes, they're resentful of the players today. Yes, maybe they don't grasp the strategy as they should. But that's a fun goddamn show, man. I, I, I enjoy that show. I've been ecstatic in these playoffs to check in on inside and just see what Chuck's going to say. Plus, like, Durant made a pretty good point that Barkley was a bus rider on those rockets with Elijah Wan and Drexler and Pippen. Like, yeah, that happened. We don't, it, he, he did try to ring chase. It just didn't work. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because Katie's down and uh, Chuck's going to be on TV night after night. It, it's an <laughs> argument from a position of weakness. There's not much that can be done about it, but that show is just. That show is just pure uh, gold, man. We, we've it, been it, talking about Duran a while, but I, I, I do want to bring up a tweet of his that rubbed me the wrong way, and I think it might inform um, some of, like, these delusions. But So Worldwide Wob tweeted, um, like, just basically that Duran gave the inside the NBA um, producers all this ammo to Photoshop stuff all day. And Durant responds... An army of producers against the God. Just another Tuesday. <laughs> and, you know, I don't like it. I, I'm not religious, but I don't like people referring to themselves as gods. It's very it's blasphemy. And we won't have it on this college show. 
Is it blasphemy? Is it blasphemy? It's definitely blasphemy. Like you, he's he's putting it. He's idolizing himself. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's not appealing, but he's such a tricky guy. I mean, everybody was viewing this from the lens of how Kevin Durant had screwed up his career. But I thought to myself, Ryan, I thought I was there that last year with the Warriors, as you might know. Um, you should you should write a book about it. I really should. It's something I should do, and maybe I should. This time, not uh, release it in April of, uh, you know, at the peak of the uh, pandemic. But, you know, be, whatever. Um, he seems more happy now than he, than he was then on the better run Warriors. I mean, there's this weirdness to it where all of these take masters almost want Kevin Durant to have the same values that they do and to be motivated by the things they would think would be motivating. And I don't really know. I know he wants praise. I know he hates criticism. I know all that, but the story had run out. He was deeply unhappy with the Warriors, and it wasn't just a matter of, huh, maybe I'll stick it out. I'm on the fence about it. He was gone. It he was really should over. have picked the Knicks over the Nets. That was a yeah. bad job by him. It was a bad if job. If he wanted him. to like really raise the stakes – he would have gone to that organization and like they actually, if he wanted well, to be a God, that's where that would have been fulfilled. Well, that's where I take full blame because I uh, angered him by discussing how uh, his absence was correlated with the Knicks opening up cap space. Uh, he, in his press conference said that he didn't know anything about the Knicks. You've heard reporting about how it all changed. I, I will take the credit and take the blame for Do for you think Kevin Joe Sai paid Kyrie and KD and like Bitcoin over the cap? I mean, I hey, it would not shock me. I, I would There's shock all me. sorts of rumors like that um, they went off the cap to bring what those you, two in. What do you think Joe Sai says about the Nets with Chinese officials? Do you think there's an expectation that he uh, makes them good uh, to show that, that China can run a sports team? Or, you know, is there any connection there? And how frustrated is he? Uh, because he has gotten everything. I mean, there isn't a lot of analysis of Joe Tsai, but he has added all the talent, uh, and they are an embarrassment. It's a disaster. It's pretty funny. He did try to go off the books of the WNBA team, too. I got That yeah. honestly gives it more smoke. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely, definitely more smoke. Who's that? It. Is Matt Sullivan who went on Webatard show and alleged all that stuff, and then the story kind of died. But um, yeah, 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 it did kind of die. I think it's just hard to prove those things. But hey, Matt Sullivan hasn't been sued, and if I'm an NBA team and that's not true, I'm suing you. So uh, interpret <laughs> that as you will. Uh, yeah. So that I'm sorry, I kept going back to that. I don't know what Joe Sai talks about with the Chinese functionaries. That's just such a world. The WeChat, I will bet I will bet money that the WeChats are just incredibly racist. I, I look, I have no I, I don't know it for a fact. I would just bet money. That's just what I'm betting. <laughs> because we're getting loose. I always say if there were some deity that just existed to like confirm these unknowable bets, <laughs> just like imagine having one of those in your back pocket. Oh. Yeah, I mean, JFK would be the first thing you'd go to, I think. Um, you know, one of them. You know, maybe not the first thing. But that's the first thing I would definitely go to. I, look, hey, I, we've fallen into this. How can we not just keep talking about talking about the Nets? They're, they're an endless font. And yet, in theory, we're going to talk about the NBA renaissance. We're part of the problem. This talking about the disastrous teams, the Lakers, the Nets. Not talking about the Ja Morants of the world. Um 
do, it's what, more interesting to like rip the losers than oh, on the winners. It's easier to do an autopsy than to describe why someone is alive. Um, yeah, right there, the bullet wound in the in the so, head. So we we should talk about the ratings being up because we've teased well, it all day, funny. and the I, NBA I like, needs its flowers. Well, yeah, and we, I feel like last week we almost workshopped a take together. And then we went back to our respective jobs and uh, made the take into content. So that was interesting to me. Yeah. Um, we we both kind of noticed that the NBA has unembedded the activism from its in-game product. And we really thought about that all week and concluded, yep, that they did that. And yep, it's part of the reason that they're rebounding. And I didn't get very much pushback from that. Did you? Well, I I was paywalled. And when it's paywalled, I tend to get a little bit less pushback. I also don't, I I just read the comments. I, I rely on my customers. I don't like the Twitter stuff. I don't like how, I don't like how mean people are, Ryan. We'll get into that. They're so mean. They're so damn mean. Um, I didn't get too much pushback. I, I think people kind of understand that there was a pullback, but yet there's no constituency for the take. It seems that we are selling because I think in red world, the NBA is the archetypal woke league. Uh, I, I think we both agree that maybe that reputation is less than earned, but that's just, it's the archetype. It's like when people joke about racist cities, they say Boston. I mean, I don't know how much more or less bo- racist Boston might be versus other cities, but that's the that's the city one goes to for that joke if you need to fill in the blank. So the NBA has become, they have become the woke league and conservative world. Uh, their transgressions drive engagement. And so there isn't much of an incentive to admit that they've toned it down politically. Um, and then on the other side, I think in liberal world, they want the NBA to be activist and they want the NBA to succeed while being activist, because that suggests that more activism good. And not only is it changing the world for the better, but it's good for business. So every institution needs to get on board. So they wouldn't necessarily endorse our take that toning it down has correlated with the NBA bouncing back. And yet I, I, I was going to say, I, I believe it to be true. I mean, it, it is just true that they pulled back. That part is true. Um, they have not tried to affect change in the same way. And I think you you had certain examples. I had certain examples. The most obvious one was Adam Silver after the ratings disaster of the 2020 finals saying we're not doing any of the, the BLM logos anymore. We're, we're done with it. But he, he said he said, I even understand there's people who agree with us, but they're like, I want to watch a basketball game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't want a very special episode of basketball. Um, and I, I also talked about how they've done something a little bit subtle, uh, which is they've kind of created the social justice coalition and it's made up of players and it's made up of executives and there's some owners, governors, which that's <laughs> never going to catch on. Sorry. Um, Leisure Report still tries to call them governors. They're the only true believers. I mean, it's a, every little boy wants to do is grow up and govern a team. That's what they want to do. Get rich and govern. Uh, that's that's not what people think. Um, so, yeah, they created the Social Justice Coalition, and this coalition takes stands on certain issues. There, there are three bills in its legislative agenda, but the NBA has compartmentalized it. And so when I come to them after the Social Justice Coalition takes a stand, the NBA tells me, they go, hey, that's them. 
That's not us. That's that. That's them. You're going to have to talk to them about it. Um, and that is a way that the NBA has kind of created this gray zone where they like what the SJC is about. They say, yeah, those, those are our guys. If they it, it was a ticker of the whole game on he, um, Hawks on NBA TV tonight. There, there was, was like, a what? The whole, like, the, the bottom line on NBA TV, the whole game was, like, touting the social justice collective. Yeah, well, it's, it's this is a great metaphor because NBA TV is like the Social Justice Coalition. It is hidden. It's compartmentalized. Nobody's looking at it. So <laughs> I might be the place. only person who saw that and remembered it. Yeah, and it's because I was looking for it because you wrote about it today. I oh, had never okay. heard of it. <laughs> yeah, so I I call this uh, strategy divide and sponsor. Um, I think we're going to be seeing more of it. That's I think what the NFL works. does too. Yeah. Yeah, divide and sponsor. So I think it's been a success, a disingenuous success. Uh, and I think it's also funny when the media tries to put pressure on the NBA to uh, get more involved. They were grilling them about, are you going to move the All-Star game from Salt Lake City because Utah passed this transgender sports bill? We haven't heard anything from the NBA about this DeSantis bill. Yeah, I think that speaks to this other aspect. There is a political aspect to what's happening, which is that the winds are a changing. And I, I think that it's one thing when uh, Donald Trump is around or even before that. And it feels like it feels like cultural liberalism is dominant um, and never going to take a loss. And I think that's somewhat changed recently. And. Now you've got a GOP that's almost hungry to fight these corporations versus immediately accede to them because they worry about the financial implications. And I think if you're somebody like the NBA, you just don't you just don't want to get involved in all that. If if you're smart, you've got a good product. You know, you've got you've got the Boston Celtics sweeping the nets and delighting the public. You know, you don't. There's want to be so many about exciting young stars. The new blood in this league is like there. You know, there's eight or ten deep of these people who are incredible players and they like have sparkly personalities, which like, you know, LeBron and Durant just don't. Yeah. 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 They are uh, the exhausted millennial. Oh, we've got people in the queue. Maybe I should take a call. Yeah, We got some new callers. Got some new callers. Clint. It's always risky with a new caller. They might Baba Booey us. We'll see. We'll see. Clint. I think Clint's been here before though. Are you there, Clint? Hey. Yes. Hey, fellas. Great to talk to you. Um, Yeah, Ethan, great work. Uh, Enjoyed your book and all of your work on Substack so far. Uh, Great column today. I was. uh, I I think you touched on this a little bit in your in your column, but was curious how much of the the good news in ratings in the NBA in the playoffs so far do you think is attributable to the way that Nielsen has changed how to provide data? Yeah, it it is Schrodinger's bump. And the short answer to your question is we don't really know. We see weird stuff where you'll see NASCAR up 20%. You're on, wait, how? Like, is there some new driver I haven't heard of? I don't get it. Um, I, I don't know. You know, Ryan and I have been texting back and forth. We've been trying to figure it out. I look at certain weird benchmarks. I look at the cable news recently, this isn't a national election year, 
but the numbers look like it to me. Um, let me just look right now. If I was no, they're way it. down. MSNBC and CNN. Oh, I just look at the Fox like... News line. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. So maybe Fox News because they aren't in power are up because like I don't think Carlson... Fox News is up. They're they're around flat to slight down from Trump. And MSNBC and CNN are off a cliff. So, so I'm looking at the readout sheet. So Tucker Carlson on Monday is 3.6 million. That's he's getting five there. in like 2020. I mean, like 2020, like, you know, November, I think. I, I don't know. Look, I might be talking out my ass. Um, I, was, um, I was mainly asking because I was, I was curious if, um, if we think overall it's really up from a few years ago. Or if or if it's just all it's around where it was a few years ago, which is a big win for them. So Mm. there's a pie chart and the components of this pie chart. We know what the like slices are, but we don't know how big each slice is. And this is what the kind of reasons are that it's up. So it's the out of home ratings that you're talking about. It's the um, toning down social justice that Ethan and I have been talking about. It's the young stars, and then it's the fact that um, versus the last two years, the playoffs are at the right time, whereas they were not at the right time before. So those are the things that are the biggest factors. Yeah, we got confounds all around, and Nielsen has been bullied, right? And we don't know the extent to which they've altered their formula, Um, but it seems like it's helping sports overall. And so we'll just have to keep monitoring that. And, uh, hey, I don't want to be in this position where it's like NBA down. Credit the, the only people yeah. who know how much Nielsen is juking the stats are the people who benefit from it. So there's this omerta on it that is impenetrable for our purposes. Yeah, but I am suspicious of this idea, and you're behind this idea that no LeBron – equals increased interest. I don't think we're there yet. I feel that way. I don't think of the I don't think the normie sports fan feels that well, way. Well they the you know the Lakers had the I, I, I looked this up um well I asked for it, but the the Warriors had the highest regular season average between ABC, TNT and ESPN at two point one million. The Lakers had one point nine I didn't yeah. go into the nitty gritty to find out, oh, were the Lakers actually on ABC more or not? Because ABC is in like, I don't know, 20 million more homes. So, but so that's when it's suspicious to me, when there's so much bigger of an audience for Nets Celtics. And that's a compelling series. We enjoy it. It's great for the takesman, as we said. But you've got one team that has a fervent fan base. You've got another team that has no fan base. Yeah, and the, Nets that, are the, the Nets are the perfect sports villain. Yeah, they're a good sports villain, but for it to be so ahead of Lakers Suns from from last year, it, that to me I think suggests some jukeage. But as as Ryan is saying, we just we just don't know the extent of it. Well, anyway, I was just happy to see see the numbers go up. I think the product is is really awesome. Um, yeah. Other than no one's happier when they go up than we are because it means more people care about our derivative work. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. Us as the remora fish have more to scavenge. Uh, that's what we're into. Uh, well, you know, thank you, Clint. Uh, I don't think we uh, sat. We answered your question in a satisfactory way, but we'll see. 
We'll see Jay, and then maybe we'll move on to a topic. That, that's why about. we're not on TV because we say we don't know. They I used to think, you know, I, I, that's what I need to do. I need that downshifting. I need that, God, the stuff Stephen A says where he just, the little things, the little subtleties, Ryan, where he goes, you know, Mike Greenberg, you've been around this game a long time. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of true, though. You like, the, you see the clips of Greeny in the last dance, like, carrying like a tape recorder. Well, it's always a wide up. Have you ever seen? <laughs> It's so good. Jay, Jay, uh, if you can unmute yourself, Jay. Maybe Jay knows he's on. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe we'll switch to Grant, and that will be our call. I'm not sure. I'm going to switch Jay, to Jay's up in outer space. Yeah, we're going to oh, switch to Oh, there he to... is. Oh. Hey, fellas, how you doing? Hi. Hey, I want to talk about the good news, bad news on on NBA ratings. Um, So, Obviously, the good news is, you know, there, there's going to be an increase to the TV deal based on, you know, how, how, how ratings have been going lately, especially over the last playoffs. But I want to talk about kind of the, the information that the NFL was coming in with on, you know. Oh, Chris, are you talking about Christmas? Yeah, coming in on, on, on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. Um, that, that's kind of scary for me as an NBA fan, um, from, from a rating standpoint, if we're talking Wait, about are you emotionally getting... invested in how the league does, are you sure you're not calling from the Olympic tower in New York city, uh, from the uh, NBA offices? I, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much on that, but you know, yeah, I'll, I'll just say, you know, that that's, that's one, that's a worry point. If I'm, a if I'm working for the league at that, I'll, I'll say that. Okay. Well, Jay, so are you uh, working for the league or one of the teams? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, not, just, not for the team. Uh, what do the teams care? They, they it's well, it's we'll, we'll down take this, them. Yeah, we'll take this call. This is a good, this is a good question right here. Uh, yeah, Ryan, we should be doing some victory laps on this one uh, because I think we were very early to it that the NFL would be aggressive in this way, and this is the most. They use the word "plant our flag" on Christmas when the NFL yeah. like. These, these people speak so deliberately. Once you've kind of been studying them for a decade like we have, you start to realize that when they say something, they're sending like a big message. And yeah. the NFL was saying like, look, we're going to manifest destiny Christmas. And yeah. there's nothing anybody can do about it. And they're going to do that. And so... You know, it's I don't know what the NBA can do to get away from it. They can maybe have like a really early game on Christmas. They can have a really late game on Christmas. But um, I don't know. I think what they're going to want to do is study the NFL schedule and try and sneak in the holes. Because even if like the NFL runs a triple header, that's there's what like. 12, 14 hours of waking hours in a day. So they run nine hours of content. You got to figure out where to put your best games so it overlaps with the NFL the least. But yeah, yeah it's concerning for them, oh, but there's also nothing they can do about it. They've really taken uh, the tent pole for the NBA regular season and, and broken it over their knee. And uh, it is the issue. It's funny. It's the NBA is rebounding. We don't know how much of it is Nielsen Rasmataz, but they, it's good. They, they're hitting their stride. I think they they are back in a good way. But this is what happens when you do have a moment of weakness, because I think this is the pound of flesh they're losing. 
um, due to the prior weakness, due to the ratings crash before. That's what gave the NFL the opening to say, we're taking this. We're going to run a triple header on Christmas. We're making Christmas with apologies to our friends in the NBA, as they said, you know, (laughs) sorry about, you know, sorry, your wife called us and came over to our house. Uh, sorry about that. Um, that's that's we, what we 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 invited her, but you know, sorry. Yeah, sorry. You know, we're sorry about that. Um, but that's that's what happens, and I guess the the NBA will be fine. They'll get their TV deal and everything else, but um, they're losing a lot of the verve when it comes to their regular season uh, because of this, and they'll try to make MLK a thing. Uh, MLK is just not as much of a massive holiday and tradition. Uh, as uh, Christmas is. So it is what it is. And at least from the NBA's perspective, they have demonstrated that the regular season doesn't need to really connect for the playoffs to uh, resonate because that's what's happening right now. They could do day after Christmas. Everybody's off then. They could. It's just not the same as Christmas. They sunk, God, like nearly 20 years into promoting that. Um, I know, and and NFL didn't really even promote it last year. They just kind of did it, and, you know, they throw out Packers-Browns, and I hope Packers at Lambeau is a Christmas tradition. Not that, like, my wife will ever let me go, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm eventually getting the football football mood all from Colin Cowherd's asides and analogies and metaphors. There's a wide receiver bubble. There's a housing bubble sometimes. Sometimes there's a wide receiver bubble. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, so, uh, do you want to discuss, uh, the musking of Twitter, Ryan? Uh, I've, it's still not over. It's still not over. Really? Um, there's like a billion dollar penalty on each side. If like Elon pulls out and if Twitter pulls out, that's less likely than the like deep state deep Hmm. sixing it, which could happen. I mean, yeah, it's been interesting watching a lot of the non-governmental organizations freak out about it because it suggests that they felt they had influence and power before that will be diminished. Um, I, the, the MSNB, did you see the clip of the MSNBC guy? I don't even know his name, but he was saying, like, they could use this to boost Republicans and silence <laughs> Democrats. And it's like, what do you think they've and been shadow doing on ban, the other side? Shadow ban, political opponents, and... I mean, it, it it was, uh, God, I, okay. So, so many thoughts on this, uh, now that it's more of a, let's just say likelihood. Um, they're in the red zone. They're in the red zone. They are. Uh, so I, I'm not trying to be too Pollyanna-ish about it. I, my perspective is more that it, it couldn't have been worse prior. So you might as well shake it up and having somebody on there who at least believes in free speech as an idea is an improvement to what was there prior after Jack Dorsey left, where it was just terrible. So this at least provides uh, a chance at something good. Um, it, it was getting terrible when he went there because he couldn't control the people who worked for no. him, and that was why he left. No. Uh, and so I, I look at it as this is a potentially positive development. I think we all know that Elon Musk is enthralled to China, as we, we were talking about before, with some other entities. So uh, that's a confounding uh, variable, perhaps. But um, I think the freak out. OK, so here's my take on this. Um, it's funny to me that it, so few people are talking about the precipitating 
event of, of this and perhaps the straw that broke the camel's back. You read the Bloomberg reporting. It seems like this was triggered by the Babylon Bee, the conservative version of The Onion, doing that joke tweet that Rachel Levine, Health and Human Services assistant, uh, 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 man won the man of the year or something. Yeah, won the man of the year. You know, Rachel Levine, a man for 54 years, I believe had children. Uh, transitioned, and uh, that has been a very public-facing feature of the Biden administration. The Babylon Bee says uh, Rachel Levine wins Man of the Year. Kind of, I mean, just not, it's not the the greatest of jokes. It's sort of a lazy joke. I don't, you know, it's, and it's not really about the assessment. It's not going to win the joke of the year. It's not going to win joke of the year, yes. Uh, So their account gets banned. I believe Tucker Carlson's account by agreeing gets banned. And I think According to the Bloomberg reporting and some other reporting, this is what precipitated Elon Musk massively changing the world's culture and spending $45 billion uh, to, to get Twitter, which is crazy when you think about it. it. It really is. But I don't think even if it's crazy and even if it seems arbitrary, I don't think it's incidental. I don't think it's random. And I think it has something to do with why a lot of people in media, friends, well, they were going to ban someone that got that riled him up like this. Yeah, well, but I just think the subject means something because I my take on it, my take on it, I think a lot of people in media view their job, and they wouldn't articulate they wouldn't articulate it this way, but their actions, a lot of what they say, reveals it. They view their job as preventing a preference cascade among the rabble, among the peasants. They're guarding against it. It's the tone they take. We see it in sports. We see it in other industries. It's this fear that the knuckle-dragging, bigoted rubes are going to overrun us, and we need to pace and lead and guide them. And so I think this subject, being the precipitating event, has some meaning because it has been a topic, an issue that isn't easy for the public to digest, and they feel, I think, in many ways that they're being forced to accept something that doesn't make a lot of sense. It, look, there's no polite way to say this. Rachel Levine does not look very feminine, right? And so you're forcing people to uh, say something that they don't believe or banning them if they say the opposite. And I just think it's too much for a lot of people in this particular issue. I think this particular issue is a cultural waterloo. And I think for a lot of people who are invested in these top-down cultural changes of we're in charge of this kind of HR culture, we are in media, we're going to force you to accept things, you're going to get fired, you're going to get censored unless you agree. I think there's fear that that model is ending or it's going to be compromised. And yeah, that's we, animating a lot of the freak out. We've talked about it before, and and Musk tweeted about this today, and I retweeted it, but it's like, when 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 they banned the New York Post for that Hunter Biden reporting that was true, and was obviously true at the time, just based on if you could, like, read, you could figure out it was true. Um, And, and I explained how before. I don't think I need to go into that again. But... Yeah. um just real quickly, like there were like messages between him and his daughter where she was like asking for money for an Uber because she ran out of money that it was like, there was no way that it was fabricated. But um, when, when that happened, that just like kind of showed that we didn't 
live in like a true democracy really because like the like the four or five people who collectively control the internet which was like whoever runs twitter uh mark zuckerberg jeff bezos and whoever runs youtube basically decided that a story could not be read or learned about and so that was not something like if if you if not you everybody up, knew we were living in that world you know like that that was different and it would be one thing if one of these platforms did it but they all did it simultaneously and it was animated by this fear that Trump would win and i think it's one thing to think that Trump winning is bad it's another thing to all collude to prevent people from reading about negative information on on his opponent i mean that was that that I think that betrayed a lot of what the issue is right now. Um, I and I bet that. you a, a bunch of I bet you there's like a high percentage of Democrats that still don't realize that that was all true. I would not be shocked. Um, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. And back then they were saying Russian disinformation and blah 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 blah. But I think it speaks to the issue because um, there isn't a respect for what the public wants. There isn't a respect for what they need and there isn't trust. It's basically if the public gets what it wants, it might elect somebody terrible. and We can't have that. Uh, that was a lot of the reaction to Trump winning. That's an understandable reaction. I'm not rejecting that reaction. I'm not valorizing uh, the public uh, or the common man. Um, but, but I mean, to some extent. That's the principles our nation was founded on is well, that the and, and it's and we've thrived in it for a very long time. I mean, we're one of the, if not the most prosperous nations in like the world history. And well, that's because I, of that principle of allowing the like the, the Democratic majority to win. And so I don't think that we've, I'm, I'm not a history buff, but I've never like read or heard about a time where that was thwarted like it was in this Hunter Biden laptop situation. Well, I would say that, but I would also say this. You can, look, um, it's antithetical to the founding principles of the country, yes. But beyond that, it's done by people who don't appear to give a fuck about the country. That is the main problem. You know, do these people ever seem like they care about the average American citizen? Is that what obsesses them? Is that what they're into? Do they do they really demonstrate a deep empathy towards what the average person has to go through? Uh, how expensive uh, daycare? Yes, I, I mean, well, you could say that maybe they want to pass a bill to make daycare a, a government program. You know, but they, for the most part, this is not what gets them up in the morning. And they, I think, view themselves as global citizens, which is fine. I know people like that. My father traveled extensively. Um, but they don't view themselves, I think, as people who have a fealty or a responsibility to the United States citizen. And yet they're trying to control their political process and uh, exhibiting a contempt for what they might want. So that's an unstable dynamic. And I think that's the dynamic that Elon Musk has disrupted. Um, and we will see how it plays out. But I think what's so frustrating on a personal level, watching it all play out, is so many peers, so many colleagues, um, not 
understanding that a lot of what they hate is in response to things that they themselves are doing. The lack of self-awareness um, and the lack of curiosity and the lack of respect, I think, for the citizen is just something that that rankles me. Rankles, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, by the way, they were like, they were talking about how they were going to fight this mask ruling. I don't know. Are they still going to do that? Like now that people have had a week of not wearing masks on planes and trains and automobiles, like, I mean, that, that is another, that's a whole other thing. I think now with Elon controlling Twitter, they're going to leave it alone. I mean, (laughs) perhaps we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. They're going to try and act like it would be the popular decision. Like I flew this past weekend and I don't, I don't know. It was maybe 50, 50, but I wouldn't, proudly yell that it was a majority interesting well you that was chicago yeah i flew chicago to la and back yeah well la to the best of my knowledge was saying that you have to wear it in the airport and they had some voice on the loudspeaker telling people to so um it's confusing and i think part of the chaos i mean that's part of what's happening really i mean that's the other substrate of this whole thing um i've got colleagues, friends, people who I don't think are admitting that some of the cultural forces they dislike are directly connected to the failure right now of the party they wanted to win. And again, understandable, very understandable that you would go, uh, that you would want to get off the Trump train. Things are getting crazy. I, I definitely, well, I we definitely certainly haven't it. returned to normal because that no. was what they promised and they have not delivered on that promise. Yes. And maybe instead of trying to constantly work the refs, maybe instead of, I don't know, uh, blaming the public, you just look and you go, we're failing, we're failing, uh, and people don't like us and we're not making people's lives better. So they're rejecting us. And that's, that's what's happening. I mean, I look at it all the time. I mean, I've got a, you know, in between watching first take, um, and other forms of junk food, I'll just go, uh, look at the Twitter feed every day of, uh, Stan Van Gundy. Uh, he'll tweet something partisan and he'll argue with conservative reply guys. And that will be, you know, my morning coffee. Uh, but I just I'm using him as kind of an example, but he it's he's railing at DeSantis every day, all day. And I just wonder, does he ever wonder, like, why is DeSantis getting more popular, you know, month after month? Uh, you know, why has he raised over a hundred million dollars? Because everybody Democratic is opponent? dumb and racist. Duh. Well, that's that's what I'm getting at. Like, it becomes a well, the, because people are idiots. You know, that's the cope of it. And it's not. Well, you know, the people you favor kind of failed. And so that informs the success of this guy. So, yeah, yeah not only did they like the um, did you see today when they said Harris got uh, Kamala Harris got COVID, but don't worry, Biden wasn't a recent close contact. <laughs> the vice president and president haven't seen each other in the last week. It's very dysfunctional. I mean, I don't want to make this whole uh podcast overtly political uh but there is something interesting that's happened over the past few years uh by the way i voted for biden i assume you did i just didn't vote for president i didn't care um i mean people get mad by the way when you say that people get more mad than if you say you voted for trump and it's funny because it's out here in california where it doesn't matter at all but I just looked at it. I just looked. I don't like think any either of these people should be president. I don't live in a swing state. 
is it is so important that I give some sort of tacit endorsement to these people? And I just I concluded, no, it's not. But it, it's funny. It's, you know, even in California where it's a purely symbolic vote, people get mad that you didn't, I don't know, that you didn't join them symbolically in some way. Um, okay, Yosarian, what's yes, up? Yes, Yosarian. Let's, let's take this call from Yosarian. Hey, hey guys. Hi. Thanks, as always, for taking the call. Um, fascinating, multifaceted conversation. And as you guys have segued effortlessly from sports to Twitter to Elon Musk to mask mandates and airports and airlines to the relationship between Kamala Harris. And I Joe can't Biden. believe people listen to this. Sorry, go ahead. I can't. It's crazy. It's crazy. All like all the the only way to sum up all the different things that are going on in my mind is that everything is a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird because in the online world everything is a mess. And when you have to pay for something, everything is a mess. But you go out <laughs> into the public and the people are just so happy and living their lives. Well, you don't live in Berkeley. Like none of this like <laughs> despair really like enters the chat. Uh, yeah, I mean, even Berkeley, the, the the sun is out. You're seeing smiles again. Um, you, you're seeing it, but yeah, there's a grimness. There's a grimness locally that it, it actually. But the birds still chirp, right? You know, it, it, life moves on, and so there are aspects that are good. But yeah, I think that this this gets this at something deeper right here politically, where I think a lot of people's politics are done as a form of social signaling. And yeah, there's an aspect of, I want the world to be solved in a certain way. But I think for a lot of my peers, why do they vote Democrat? Um, it's because it's the smart party. It's the West Wing people. It's Obama. He's urbane. He's smart against that uh, hillbilly George Bush. And I think, you know, the failure of the W. Bush administration informed, um, you know, that kind of sensibility among my generation. And I don't think they've caught up to how whatever your politics is, whatever you think the solution should be, the Democratic Party is not that thing anymore. They don't have smarty pants running things like Bill Clinton, whatever you think of him, smart. Al Gore, whatever you think of him, very well educated. Uh, Obama, extremely, extremely smart. Uh, you have Biden, who's a dullard uh, and was a dullard before going senile. Um, and Kamala Harris, who's reputed to be fairly dim. I mean, this is a big shift. These are not the smart people. But I think that... And I don't think they've hired smart people. And we don't know who's in charge. No, there's been an intellectual collapse. And I think that has been an underrated story on, on the political scene is the intellectual collapse in Blue World that I think a lot of my friends... They follow things a little haphazardly. They just want to be with the smart crowd. They conceive of themselves as smart people. And so that's why they, uh, you know, that's why they endorse. Yeah. Like if if you had Harris versus DeSantis on some, like, I don't know how you would like, like have them take the SATs against each other or something. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But DeSantis, again, whatever you think of him, similar to Obama, similar to uh, Bill Clinton, uh, Al Gore, uh, very well educated, top of his class, yada, yada, yada. I know it's not everything. I know Ivy Leaguers have screwed up a lot of things. Uh, But, you know, it's like that's that's a big shift. That's a big shift that has happened. And I think uh, it's it's not going great. 
I think the administration is not going great. And uh, that's, and we're seeing a lot of the fallout from it. And we're seeing a lot of the reaction to it. And I think that informs, to bring it back to sports, why an Adam Silver isn't taking up a fight that he might have taken up before. It's the wind is blowing in a certain direction. So, uh, yeah. Oh, we got people talking in the chat. I need oh, to... one other thing is in the pie chart that we didn't mention with the NBA ratings mm. is the Warriors being back is massive. Oh, it's huge. Uh, but 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 let's go back to you, Sarian. Do you have anything else to say? Well, yeah, I mean, I did have more than just it's a fucking mess. But, I mean, pivoting <laughs> off of what you guys were talking about, I mean, one of the things that the liberals and the, the left wing hasn't fully come to grips with is that the two most the most consequential decisions in our lifetimes, political decisions, were, as far as I'm concerned, the, the normalizing trade relations with China. Yep. And the, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yep. And all of those were undertaken with a bipartisan consensus. True. And all of those were disastrous. And the the left wants to pretend like I I don't even know anymore. I mean, as an old school leftist, my whole thing was like improving the material conditions of people who whose material conditions are not good. And now it's all this language and signaling and everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm, I'm interrupting because I'm forcibly, forcefully agreeing. It's just, you know, why am I, um, you know, kind of, why, why am I liberal in, in 2000, 2008 or whatever? It's just, uh, well, you know, I, I'm against the Iraq war. I, I think that's bad. I want people to have health care. I want the middle class to do, to do well and for the ultra wealthy, not necessarily just to get a tax cut. And now that, suite of opinions you just keep adding weird asks to it and you're kicked out of the coalition unless you agree it's you know suddenly you're saying to people well and obviously if if uh if a male says that they are now a woman they're a woman wait what well you believe that yes what like that's that's now part of the whole thing did you see the story where in an all-women jail there are um women who have transitioned that are getting other women pregnant I mean, yeah, it's just a lot of entropy right now. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. very hard to keep. Clay, Clay took like a mailbag question where he's where like they were like, "Are would you if you were sentenced to like jail, would you claim to be a woman so you could be like safer?" And he basically concluded yes. I mean, yeah, I, I certainly would have to do something. <laughs> well, apparently wouldn't. it comes with more benefits than just staying safe. I mean, yeah, yeah. So. Well, that, that is what we call a moral hazard uh, yeah. in, in economics. So, And just, just real quick to close out the Musk thing, I've been tr- just trying to figure out why people have been freaking out so much. I mean, he's not this right-wing nutcase. Um, he, he, it's so funny. You're the, he, he's the person who's like solving climate change more than any other human on the planet. And that was what they claimed to care about most I, I until five push, minutes ago. I will push back a little bit, not, not in the nutcase thing, but um, he has said that wokeness is basically the biggest uh, – what did he even call it? But it's just one of the, the biggest things that must be fought right now. That is declaring arms in the culture war on one side. And so I, I think they're right to fear him. I do. I, I think they're right. Yeah, to they're, fear they're, him. Their little palace where they can shut down the New York post is over. Yeah. <laughs> but that gets back to, to the, one of the points I wanted to make quickly was that 
I mean, you can tell who perceives themselves being in power, whether it's political power or cultural power. Mm. Those are the people who are calling for restrictions on free speech, right? It's never the underdog who's saying, oh, we need to, to, to limit speech. It's, it's, so it's the cultural left now yeah. who the, wants the, to squelch these kinds of things. And yeah, yeah it was Ari Fleischer. Yeah, Ari Fleischer saying people need to watch what they say back when, you know, the Bush administration was culturally dominant. And that was a moment I don't think a lot of people, uh, younger people won't even understand what that moment was like. But, you know, who's who's in power? Uh, It's it's always the Jews, which is why this podcast is so powerful. Um, (laughs) That's that's why we get as many (laughs) listeners as Mike Francesa. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you, Yasserian. Let's take a, a question from Scott and then we'll get on out of here. Scott, Scott, I'm a landline, Scott. Hey, hey, I'm a landline from Daly City. I just moved houses this week, so. Oh, Daly uh, City. Little boxes on the hillside. Is that yep. the, was that about Daly City, that song? Am I right about that? That's a, I mean, I, I actually don't know, but they are basically a ton of boxes on the hillside here, so. That's I'm looking it, it up. Like. I'm looking it up as you ask your question. Um, well, yeah, I'm coming in. Uh, I missed the first half, and then I was waiting for... Ethan, your post today to come through on narration. So I didn't read ah. about the NBA. So I'm uh, very under contextualized. But, you know, I, I have been really digging the NBA playoffs this year. I think it's probably a combination of the Warriors being back in the mix. Uh, I'm a season ticket holder. And I like, I don't know if LeBron being out is helping me. Like, I, I'm a LeBron hate watcher, but. Maybe there's something just kind of refreshing We needed it for growth. We needed it. We needed the training wheels off. You know, we needed to grow without LeBron is my theory. I I think you're right. I think you're right. But, like, just a lot of good good series like Memphis. Who are we going to hate, though? Who who can we hate at this juncture? Well, Chris Paul maybe only for another year or two, but uh, not not much longer. Some of the Memphis guys seem a little – I I think there's a certain amount of people who – are not going to want like Simmons and Rosillo like beefing up the Celtics every Sunday. Ah, mm-hmm. ah yeah. Although they're, they're likable, man. I mean, I enjoy Marcus Smart so much. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. There's going to be that proxy, that proxy hatred that people will have for all things Boston. I see that. But my, my one non-sports thing was um, your interview with uh, Rob Henderson like oh, really, yeah. really enjoyed that. Uh, definitely spoke to me and all of the like, you know, uh, crummy TV I watched, like kind of his background and then uh, veering into more prestige TV and all that. But, but like, I, I hadn't heard it before. Um, but the, you know, luxury beliefs term that he coined mm. just like really stuck a chord with me, struck a chord with me. And, you know, thinking of, you know, the kind of the defund the police, uh, uh, you know, the calls for that and how yeah. it's like actually not people who like, you know, I live now that I'm in Daly City and Bayshore. I live right next to Bayview Hunters Point. And it's, you know, it's not the folks in those neighborhoods who want fewer police. It's no. the people out in Noe who, you know, it makes them the, feel good to say it. And I just, it just, the, the, the city yeah. councilmen in, in East Oakland voted against the, uh, the defund <laughs> yeah. measure, yeah. Uh, which caught my eye. Yeah, it's just like, it just perfectly, I was like, I could never really put it into words before. I was like, why did, like, you know, it just was the perfect encapsulation of, of uh, something that I, like, thought of before, but just couldn't put, it, never put a name to it, so. Yeah, Rob's um, an interesting guy. Um, I enjoyed that interview. 
The next interview is uh, perhaps interesting in a totally different way. It's um, the director of communications of the organization that's doing the Minnesota Timberwolves protest with Glue Girl and everything oh, else. Did you ask why like they can't find people who can like actually get three steps on the court anymore? We talked about that a little bit. He actually tried it himself and was tackled fairly early. Um, and I don't want to spoil everything on the pod, but like a casino, you get pulled into the back room and they've got all their pictures on the wall. So the wolves are are watching uh, are watching this crew. Uh, the direct the, it was a direct collective action. I can't even remember after doing the whole the whole podcast. But I just want to talk to the guy. I mean, it's not my cause, and I have reservations about um, people who might go too far in service of what they think is is important. But I just wanted to know what was up. I was very curious about the whole thing. Taylor doesn't own the Timberwolves anymore. I mean, he kind of does. I mean, what's the deal with that? I should know that. What's the Glenn Taylor status? He's Doesn't so really rod and a Home Depot guy. Yeah, on the team. Yeah, let's see. I mean, he's still referred to by ESPN as a Minnesota Timberwolves owner. So, yeah, no, he I don't doesn't own any of it. He sold it. Well, you know, it doesn't matter to these people, man. <laughs> it's not. It's not. They they just want more uh, focus on what he does own. Um. So, but yeah, I just wanted to get. It was. It was interesting. It was. Uh. I found myself getting a very odd conversation about. Uh. Because I think I analogized their perspective to anti-abortion activists, where it's not where I live, but I can understand that they've got a scientific argument, but he didn't want to, he didn't agree. So now you're in some weird argument or conversation about how, um, you know, protecting an animal life versus a fee it, it is crazy stuff, but I, I would, I would recommend it. It'll come out tomorrow. Hopefully. Awesome. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks guys. Do we have any thoughts on Grizzlies Warriors from the step grindfather? I mean, my thoughts on it is it's going to be very exciting, but I think the Warriors probably win 4-1. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they win 4-1. They they have trouble with those Grizzlies, man. Um, I I mean, look, my my take is yes, please. That's my take. My take is that that is an awesome series. Uh, I got to get to one of those games in Memphis, which is going to – be cause for some negotiations on the home front. Oh man, it's so fun to watch a game in that arena, a playoff game, and uh, the just the energy, the energy of that crowd. It's a nice arena as well. Um, the city could kind of take or leave it. No offense to Memphisians, is that what you say? Memphians, Memphians. whatever. Yeah, uh, but it's a great experience. I would. Recommend I don't know. Have it. you gone down Beale Street on like a Friday night? Warm out, like you know. Well, here that you say warm out. See, here's the thing, and playoff game not so much, but a lot of my associations with Memphis, Tennessee, is some road trip uh, in January when the sky is gray and you just go, "This is a dirty river city," uh, and I don't want to be here. <laughs> that no, is, you got Beale Street, like you know, they've got like people playing like one of those guitars on their knees, like. Okay, you so know, you like that. I don't like beam on the rocks. See, you like that. I don't like live music. I'm not into live music. It's oh, just, man. it's too much for me. It's that's too our, much. This our, that's, we finally found our divorce issue. Yeah, yeah. I'm not into it. It's it's too much stimuli. It's too distracting. Uh, I went to a cafe in Memphis 
and there was live music. I was trying to drink my coffee. I'm not into it. I'm not about it. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's, it's a great atmosphere. I'd recommend going. And I feel privileged to have uh, covered playoff games and sat courtside, Ryan. You know, not to brag. I'm just saying it happened. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, with that, thanks to everybody who participated in the chat. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to Ryan for all his fantastic takes. Uh, Ryan, do you have anything beyond, I mean, are you going to, uh, commandeer Marshan's newsletter? Like, what do you plug No, in? I, I hope I don't get asked to do it again for a while. Cause it was like a lot of work and they, um, but it, it it's weird because it's all the like same section, but it's like kind of different people in charge of the plus versus the regular posts. And so my job is like working for the regular posts and there's only like so many hours in a day that you can work. And so it like diverted time away from my core job, which I'm not complaining about. It was a great opportunity. I just don't want to do it again for like six months. It was way too granular an explanation, Ryan, but that granularity is what the people like on a range of topics. So (laughs) thank you for the, thank you for all the takes yet again, go and check out Ryan's work, go check him out on Twitter. Now that he's, there's no fear of him being banned. Subscribe to House of Strauss, and we will see you next time, folks. Right, see you, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Ethan. Talk soon. Good job by you, Ryan. Right, we even knew they're calling. No, we're going. We're going. <laughs> no, we're going. Bye, we're bye. out of here. <laughs>